Good evening, everybody. This is a huge pop wrestling podcast. Thank you for coming aboard. Um, tonight we have a special guest. He can be seen in many promotions, such as One Division Pro, SWO, NAW. He is the former BCW heavyweight champion. He comes from the NYC. He is the smooth operator, BD Big Daddy Cruz. How's it going tonight, my guy? Uh, I'm feeling good. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for being on, man. Thank you for taking the opportunity, giving me the opportunity. Um, I just threw the smooth operator in there because you said your entrance music is smooth operator. So we'll throw that in there for you. So um, who were f- some of your favorite wrestlers growing up? Yeah, it works for me. You're freezing up. You there? Yeah. Is it better? All right. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, I'm here. So, who were your so who were your favorite wrestlers growing up? Uh, favorite first off was Shawn Michaels. He uh, caught my attention and of the whole high flying aspect of it. But once I got more into wrestling, it was the Yokozunas, the Bam Bam Bigelows, the Vaders that really caught my attention and go from seeing these muscular guys, but seeing these big husky wrestlers that are just moving in ways that can't really move or I haven't seen done before that captivated me. Awesome, man. So who had the greatest influence in, or impact on your wrestling career or your life in general? Um, I mean, my life in general was my father. Um, we didn't really talk much, but when we did, it was mostly about wrestling. So that kind of made me get more attached to wrestling. Um, once I got into the actual wrestling, um, it was actually meeting Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle that, um, you know, they looked at me and they pretty much gave me the nudge. Like, hey, man, if you want to do it, go for it. Like, there should be nothing stopping you. Awesome, man. So w- when did you decide, hey, I want to be a pro wrestler? Um, I always wanted to do it as a kid. But when I was in college, me and my college buddy decided to just throw a match on just because we didn't know what we were doing. We were just beating the crap out of each okay. other. And go. then after it was over, a lot of people came up to both of us and goes, I think you guys should try it. So, you know, I just said, yeah, you know, why not? And um, I went back home and I was on the bus and a student from my future wrestling school actually saw me with a wrestling shirt on. It was a Nexus shirt. And he goes, hey, man, do you, um, you, look, you look like you could be a wrestler. Do you want to try it? I go, this has to be fate. Yeah, I go, why not? He goes, here, he gave me the address for the school. I went there the following week, and the rest was history. All right, man. So there leads to the next question. What wrestling school did you go to train at, and how hard was it to become a professional wrestler? Uh, I went to the House of Glory Training School in Queens, New York. Okay. Um, the Amazing Red was a trainer, so that made it even more sweeter. Yeah. Um, it was hard because I thought I was one of those guys that, oh, I could, I could pick this up, no problem. And the first day, 
of taking bumps and I hit my head so many times. Um, and I caught, I had a real crash course, like, all right, this is not as easy as I thought it would be, but I stuck with it. And, um, the more I was in there, the more I did get accustomed to it. And, um, I'd never stopped ever since. Man, I, I wasn't going to say this question till, till later on, but you said you took some hits and banged your head a couple of times. And, um, so it brings to light the question that you hear all as a wrestling podcast person and some talking to wrestlers and talking to fans. What do you say to these fans or these people that say what you guys do is fake? I mean, I invite them to try it because um, with all the training that we do, we make it look smooth. We make it look easy. And it's easy to criticize from the opposite side of the guardrail. But once you get in it, I mean, it's a whole different animal. And you see firsthand how how this isn't easy, this isn't for everybody, and it really takes skill and art to put on the performances that we're doing in there. So criticize all you want, but if you want to try and, th and you think you're better, come on down, give it a try. All right, there you go. So is there a certain set of skill sets that you need to become a professional wrestler? Body control. Um, okay. It's not easy taking a bump. It's not easy having your uh, feet going a certain way if you don't have full control of your body and you're not comfortable um throwing yourself it's not going to be easy you're going to have a really tough time i've seen a lot of guys that had passion for it but once they didn't get the proper steps in it was 10 times harder for them and they, they wind up leaving so you really have to be comfortable with yourself and uh be loose in there have fun have fun that's probably the key right so is there any close friends that you uh have in the industry that you bounce ideas off of or that you get support from uh two guys uh we have an independent guy named smiley who i believe is one of the most uh innovative uh wrestlers i've ever seen where everybody goes to him for ideas and he's constantly put up different ways to do different moves and i just find him captivating um and i have a close friend with mark quinn from private party who um he'll see my matches and he'll break it down and he'll he'll make me see matches in a way i've never would want to see it and um he's teaching me at the same time instead of breaking it down or critiquing me heavy he's helping me see it from a different point of view that's awesome man what type of matches are your favorite matches um i like the japanese hard style uh strong style just yeah. one there and be rough and tough but i also appreciate the technical aspect of uh rolling on the ground and just putting in these different submissions and, these, and all the techniques that go into it that um, you know, you're not just going in there doing whatever comes to mind. You're in there and these technicians are really thinking and putting your body in, in maneuvers and twists and turns that you never think about. But when you see it, it's go, wow, that was amazing. So you've been all over. You've been through several promotions, been in some dark matches, been in um, stuff like that. Is there anybody that you enjoyed working with the most that just feels you and that's just so comfortable and so smooth? Um, not really one person that stands out. I had about three or four matches that really uh means a lot to me because we just went in there and tore it up. Um, even guys who um I'm in training classes with that I see them coming up and I'm amazed by what they're doing. Um, nothing jumps to mind besides uh my match with Dark, um, where I was in there with Billy Gunn and it was a surreal moment, like, oh man, I'm in here with a WWE legend, like uh this has to be fate. Like I you couldn't take me away from that moment. How good is he? Oh, he's great. He's he's so great. And uh, talking with him before and after is just uh, the person you see on TV is not the person that's in front of you. He's just a whole different um, type of guy. And 
Very great to talk to. Awesome, man. So are you a heel or a face? Which one do you prefer to be? Um, I mean, most places I'm a face because uh, my character and my entrance and stuff like that. But there are a few promotions where I'm allowed to heal it up or tween in the middle. And um, it's fun being a heel because once I feel, I can feel the fans more. And if I feel them going against me, I could play on that emotion. And I start being sarcastic in the ring to where I want them to hate me more. As a face, it's I have to keep them on my side. So it makes it a little bit rougher. But right. um, I have fun as a heel. Awesome, man. So you're a heel right now, then? No, I'm a, fa- I'm a face most of these places. Yeah. So have you ever, I mean, rubbed elbows? I know you say Billy Gunn and all that. Anybody else in the AEW, WWE? And um, how does that affect, how has that affected your ability in the ring, learning from those guys? Um, Like I mentioned earlier with Mark Quinn, um, he makes you think a different way um, and sees it from a different point of view. Um, I've had uh, conversations with uh, Mick Foley, who um, he happened to be a part of the indie show I was a part of, and he saw my match, and he just pulled me to the side. He said he was blown away with the things I've done, and um, he's never seen things in a long time for a guy of my size. So um, and he gave me little um, little things to do to make it just a little bit better, and those are the moments that I cherish the most to where he can just – Pull me to the side to have you know a legend just he didn't have to pull me to the side and talk to me but he chose to and um it shows that all right maybe i'm doing something right that's awesome man i gotta say this that promo um video i put together at the end there's that you you back flipping off that rope and i'm like <laughs> holy shit <laughs> so dude you're athletic i can tell that i mean that's that was uh, a heck of a move so i appreciate it. that was the first time i've hit it i've Done it to where you know I miss it or whatever, but that's the first time I actually hit it, and it felt so good to go. Yes, I you nailed it, it, man. You you like nailed that. I was like, whoa, <laughs> dude. And a man sizes you're about the size of me, and I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> so that was pretty intense. That was pretty cool. So, um, let me see. So yeah, have you you, you were been around the wrestling during the COVID and all this stuff, and it's a, was a pretty dead crowd. And so, is there a difference? performing in front of a dead crowd compared to performance in front of 300, 200 people for you is the energy there. Oh, how hard is it to do that? Uh, it's, it's different. Um, not having the usual amount of crowd there, um, that you really, you and your opponent really have to do something to keep the pace up, to get everybody involved. Um, and I happened to wrestle, uh, when I did my AW dark match, it was, um, during the COVID time. So, it wasn't a lot of, um, you know, fans there that would usually be there. So, um, you know, that aspect was um, taken away in a bit. But to perform in front of the other wrestlers as fans there was still pretty exciting because I was able to get more eyes that I wanted to get on me to watch it. Um, and same thing with the independence. It's hard when um, there's not a crowd there because of especially a, a global pandemic. Um, it makes things different. It makes you think about matches differently. Um, but now with the fans back, it goes, you know, go back to neutral and you know what to do from there. So that was on a daily's place when you did the dark match? Yes. Cool. I, we had the opportunity to go there for Mark Tequila and Taco Festival this week, <laughs> this, this year. So it's pretty cool. Never okay. been there before. So, so I, you know, I work with kids and I was sitting around the table with them and they had some questions. So we're going to go to their questions now and we're jumping back into the, the, the wrestling stuff. So. What would you be watching if you had the day off um, and Netflix and chill? What would you be watching? 
Um, honestly, I think it's been a while since I sat down and just watched old school Looney Tune cartoons. Um, I love the old Bugs Bunny stuff. Which movie has you? Which movie have you seen the most? The most? Ooh, uh, The Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Which actor should you should play you in a movie about your life? Chris Farley. Chris Farley. There you go. That's that's good. What's your favorite musician or band? Um, I got really into Dave Matthews. I'm huh? pretty shocking. Yeah. 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 Okay. Dave Matthews. We just had pizza tonight. We got pizza every Thursday. So pineapple on your pizza? Yes or no? No, no. Oh, okay. What three items would you take if you were stuck on a desert island? Ooh. Um, a baseball to throw. Um, a TV if there was electricity. And a jump rope. Just to okay. pass All time. Right. All right. What's your secret talent? Ooh, um, cracking my body. I can crack my uh, ears and elbows pretty well. Ears and elbows, huh? Yeah. yeah. All right. What's your most annoying habit? Ooh, I snore a lot. Okay. If you weren't a wrestler, what would you be? Hmm, that's a hell of a question. Um, if I wasn't a wrestler, I would probably be a psychologist. Okay. What wrestling match not involving you? Do you watch the most? Hmm. Probably The Rock and Steve Austin, uh, WrestleMania 19. You study that? Does you put it into your game or? Um, it's just the entertainment aspect of it, and that, those two just brawled. It wasn't really wrestling; it was just two guys just brawling, telling a great story. Right, right. Um, do you have a pre-match ritual? Do you have something you do before you go out there? Is there something special? Um, I keep to myself. Like once I have everything um pretty much mapped out, um, I play a song or two. I play um uh the Top Gun theme right before I go out there to get okay. me pumped up. So now you guys in the back of the Indies and then back at the AEW Dark Show or whatever. Um, was there any pranksters that you uh I mean just prankster wrestlers uh... that no, uh, no, uh, hmm. not at the a, not at AEW. That was more everybody, whoever is in a clique, they stayed with each other. Um, and the indie guys, we have a lot of guys that if you mess with them, they'll take your bag and hide it somewhere around the building. Right, so try right. not to get no one's bad side. <laughs> what wrestler? What's the weirdest fan request you've ever had? Because I believe that you probably got. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, um, I've had uh very older women, um. Send me certain pictures um, oh. because of my character and whatnot um, and want to date me. And they're uh, more or less twice my age. So um, that's always interesting. Yeah, yeah it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about fans, how important are fans to you with the merch table, the interactions, mm-hmm. even during the match and after the match? How important is that is for you as a wrestler? Uh, I've, it's very important because they – let me know if I did a good job or not. Um, if I if I'm at a show and I didn't really didn't do a particularly a good job, not maybe maybe not a lot of people will come up to me and talk to me. Um, on the shows that I do do a good job, um, I have everybody wanting a picture or giving me a hug um, or telling me that I'm their favorite wrestler or it was awesome to see me. So fan interaction is very much important. Is there a dream? Is there a dream opponent you would like to see do like the wrestle against one? Um, 
it was Kurt Angle before he retired, but currently it would probably be Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, yeah. Did you watch uh, last night Blood and Guts? Yes. Oh God, that was they, sick. the way that they. Was... I've seen them be brutal, but they took brutality to a new level. My that God. was ridiculous. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, no way. This... Wait, how do they so think a- of this stuff? Yeah, AEW, WWE. AEW. AEW? Okay. So how's your family and friends support you during your, um, your decision to be a wrestler and as you pr- pursue your career? Uh, from the family aspect, um, my little brother was very much behind me because we grew up very close. I have f- uh, five other siblings, but me and him are the closest. So he always knew I can do it. Uh, my mother was dead set against it. You know, she doesn't want her baby boy uh, to get hurt and whatnot. It still doesn't today. Um, my sisters and my older brothers and sisters, they go, all right, yeah, go, go ahead do it. Um, friends, um, my friends are for the most part supportive. Like when they see me put up videos of what I'm doing and a lot of them congratulate me or say, you know, um, I know the ones who were always behind me from the beginning to the ones that pretend to be, um, but yeah, um, I've gotten nothing but positivity. I don't come to watch your matches at all. Uh, some of them, some of them came out that way. Like we don't all live close by, but some of them did make trips to come see me. So we talked about your um your training and that where you trained at. So can you recall the first training session and just tell us about that? Yeah, um, I thought I was a know it all, and um, I jumped into the ring, and the trainers um weren't there yet, so a lot of the veteran guys were there, and um, I go, oh, I can moonsault. They said, all right, give it a try. And I got to the top rope and I slipped right off. So they, when I hit the mat, they looked at me. They go, are you learning now? I go, yes. And they go, all right, get outside and we're going to start from the beginning. And uh, we just did lockups for the rest of the time. And they pretty much told me, stay off the top rope until we tell you it's time. And from then on, after that first uh, mistake, I shut up and I did whatever I was told. Awesome, man. So you had the opportunity to wrestle AEW. And you had an opportunity to you wrestle throughout the Indies. So the first question I have is um, you're, you get called up, you get a job, you say, okay, we got to be here this date, this date, we're going to wrestle this person. What was your feelings the first time you walked through that curtain? Uh, nervousness. Um, and still today, um, when I go out there, I aim to have the best match of the night. Um that never fails. I never want to coast through a match. I never want to take it easy. Um, I give it all. So especially when if I'm in a new promotion, um, I'm just nervous that everything works out well, which is why whoever works for me, they realize that um, I'm very serious. When we're going over the match and we're talking about everything, I'm very business. Once the match is over, I'm the most happy, carefree guy around. But until then, the moment I walk into the building, the most important thing is having the best match, and I have to make sure I do it, whether it's my fault or not, I put it on my own shoulders. So I'm going to go ask the same question. I, I believe I would know the answer, but maybe not. Maybe not. Was that nervousness the same nervousness you felt when you went up against um, the gun, Mr. Gun? Or was that... Uh, yes and no. It was not only... It wasn't my regular nervousness it was all right i'm in one of the i'm in the top one of the top promotions right now everything is being critiqued because they don't know me so i have to do what i'm supposed to do 
while making it look good. So it wasn't nervous about having the best match or anything. It was nervous that I got uh, the point across of what I'm supposed to do and making sure that the other person on the other side believes that I'm, I'm supposed to be here. So it was a whole different nervousness. But once I got out there, it was, you know, everything was just ready, set, go. Was Mr. Gunn happy with your performance? Oh, yeah, for the most part, I did my job, what I was supposed to do. Um, there was um, a spot in there because they don't realize, you know, they don't know me all that well. And um, my finisher, one of my finishers is the clothesline from hell. So um, they was like, yeah, you know, just throw a clothesline in there, see what happens. In my head, I'm like, okay. But um, when I went for it, oh, God, I took Austin's gun head off. And I didn't mean it. It just <laughs> came out because um, I do it so naturally. So um, I found out that Billy was shocked. Uh, when I did it, because of course it's his, you know, his son and everything like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was, is he okay? Is everything all right? And everything was fine. But, um, you know, he gave me some pointers after, but it was more, I got him on the shock value. Yeah. And um, that was, you know, it was pretty good. As long as it wasn't negative, I was fine with it. How's Tony Khan? Great guy. Yeah. Um, didn't know me from a hole in the wall, but he made it his business to come shake my hand said thank you for uh for coming here and you know he makes you feel welcome i had to ask that question because he gets late all over tiktok nobody likes him nobody likes AEW, and i'm like yeah you know and i mean he gets the shit he gets ragged out all the time and i'm like <laughs> you know what what's he gonna do he just he puts on a great show i mean last night was a banger of a show mm-hmm. but um so uh yeah, I believe he gets the wrong wrong side of the deal sometimes. Um, maybe some of his intricacies uh, may come off differently that people aren't accustomed to. But you know, people are ready to you know crap over him when just give the, he's doing nothing wrong. He's harmless. Like right. let him put on the show he wants to put on. All right, I mean, he got a lot of heat with the CM Punk scrum and the backstage ah. stuff that happened. So yeah. is the backstage stuff that serious or? In your opinion, should wrestlers start listening to the guys that are in back, like the Jake, the Snakes, like the Stings, like the all those old guys, the veterans, that they got to be pretty knowledgeable what they do, and obviously they made a career out of it. So, mm. are, are they are they necessary? Should people listen like you listen to those guys? No, I, me personally, I would listen. Um, I think it's um, a clash of the guys that are there and the environment that they're creating, and then you have the older guys that saw the business in a certain way and they're trying to apply it to the new school of how things are. Me personally, I would listen to a Jake Roberts, um, Billy Gunn, all the old school guy that's back there. If they can give me knowledge that I don't think about, because like when I watch the bad, the dark side of the ring and I see some of these things, I go, wow, I never thought of it like that. Or I didn't know how crazy it was back then. Um, so it's, I believe it's very important listening to those guys because they can give you knowledge that you're definitely not getting nowhere else um you know in the combination of you know their veteran guys there you know of the younger variety you know taking what they have to say and then it's up to you to pretty much gauge you know which way to follow but absolutely i do appreciate the older uh schools version of how things are and what um and any improvements that they want to throw at me okay so you're the former Bay state heavyweight champion is that correct no the current the current sorry the current can you talk about that title and promotion can you tell us about the how you got the title 
how important your title is, what you're going to do with the title, and that promotion you're in. Yes. Um, I was there from the from the inception of it. Um, they decided to have a tournament to, to crown the first ever champion. And I went all the way through. Um, I won the tournament clean sweep. Um, last match was a heart. was more or less a street fight. Um, that meant a lot to me because my first real table spot that I did in the match. Um, and winning it was a lot because this is a new company that decided to put their existence on my shoulders, believing that I can carry the company in its first years um, going forward. So it was a tremendous honor that they chose me to be their representative. Um, I've been having um, match of the night for that company ever since. Um, it's going to be two years coming up soon. We just had an anniversary show. So um, I'm the only one undefeated in this place. I don't see myself losing at any point. Um, the storylines that they're coming up with and the things that they're doing is so great. I just think because it's a new company, there's a lot of ups and downs and learning experiences. But once they get everything smoothed out, it's going to be the one of the best places to um, work out in the Boston, Massachusetts area. Do you have any warnings or words of advice to your next opponent? Oh, just watch my videos. You'll see um, I'm 370 pounds. Um, I fly like a cruiserweight. And I hit even harder. So, um, you know, better be faster than me. You better come up with a different strategy because so far nobody has to find a way to beat me yet. Okay. So uh, us wrestling fans just love to hear um, funny stories of that happens in the back or on the road. So do you have any of those funny road stories you can share? Um, one to come, Well, one was an injury, actually. Um, <laughs> I almost lost my left eye. Uh, believe it or not, um, I was rolling out of the ring. My tag partner was coming into the ring. He kicked me square in the eye. Um, <laughs> so I'm on the outside thinking, like, did someone cut me? Like, what, what, what what's going on here? Um, so I go back into the ring. And then when I got tagged back in, my cornea was cut in half. I didn't realize it. So I was literally seeing double. Um, I finished the match. Um, I go to the back. And the guy who did it is trying to help me to the back. And then he puts me in the wrong room where the doctor was supposed to be, but the doctor is somewhere else. He goes, don't worry, I got the doctor for you. And then I'm in this room knowing that I can only see half of whatever. And I'm sitting there for like 20 minutes, like waiting for the doctor, like the son of a the son of a gun got me. So I'm, and I'm right now, as I'm sweating, the sweating is getting into the eye. Oh, that pain. I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Right. So um, I told him I was going to get him back. And I put his luggage in a different car as we were going home. So it took him about another month before he got his luggage back. Nice, nice, nice. So in NAW, you want you were a champion there, I believe. I read. Yeah, I was the heavyweight champion there. Okay, so um, is there any funny stories going with NAW? How you won that? How that was going on? And um, I wouldn't say funny. It was um, I was taking on the champion, and um, I wasn't supposed to win. Um, and then it was a call at the last second of putting the title on me and the champion didn't take it too well. Okay. So, um, as we were going out there, it was very difficult to call the match with him because I, I can feel the bitterness. And then, um, I pretty much told him like, look, we're about to go out there. We have a general idea. If you're going to shoot, let's shoot. And you're not going to like it. You're not going to come out on top or let's work this out and figure it out. So I was unsure until the first lockup. And then I realized, all right, he's going to play ball. So I was getting ready to shoot in a world title match to see what happens. 
But, you know, everything went according to plan. Shoot, man, that'd be epic to see. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in a match, you have a referee, you have two wrestlers or four wrestlers up at the tag team, whatever, and you have people back in the back and stuff like that. How important is the communication that happens in the ring to make a match go successfully? Oh, extremely. Uh, the communication is not there. All hell could break out. And in this day and age, the fans know when something goes wrong. Um, and you don't want to be that guy. Um, and the way social media is, it'll, it can go anywhere and everywhere. Um, and different places, you can tell how the communication is, um, how important they treat the referee. How the referee is also a key component um, to everything. Um, BCW just is getting that with the communication with the wrestlers and referees and mm -hmm. the guys in the back. So that's good. Um, I just finished. I actually had a, a debut match for Three Legacies Wrestling with uh, Ricardo Rodriguez's uh, school, okay. and um, very much you know you get the WWE mindset of how matches go and how things need to go in a certain order. And um, their referees was right on it where, you know, we had a time limit. We got to hit the time. Don't go over. Um, and it was different to know that, all right, this is being um, taken in a different direction. I got to go by a new set of ideas and um, to see if I could hang with it. And this is coming from a guy who's been in, in, you know, the biggest company on the planet. So it was definitely a learning experience. And you can tell that communication is huge in this place. Awesome, man. So how was the how was the competition in NAW? Uh, it was no, it was very good. Um, it was a different slew of talents from um, I'm usually the biggest guy in my matches. So dealing with guys who are um strong like me, but on a smaller scale, and dealing with guys who are just incredibly fast and, and agile. Um, it was different where I went to each match very much differently. Like, all right, I gotta go at this a different way. And um, I got to make my match different from the last one. And um, it was very interesting in NAW. NAW, have any um, worthy competitors? Um, one of my – yeah, Sebastian Cage. Um, I wanted that to be so much better match than we had because we had, like, a ton of things um, in our minds to do. But because we had to uh, do something storyline-based, it kind of took away from it. So. Um, that would be one of my um, dream opponents to one of my dream matches to have again, because he's a very good friend and I know, you know, how good he is. So I like to run that back with him one day. Awesome, man. So can you talk about your passion for the wrestling business and how it all started for you at the house of glory with amazing red, red as a trainer? How was that? Um, it was great because his training um, and at that school is a lot different from, I can only assume, uh, other like New York City-based training or training all around. Um, you know, you have to learn the basics. He drills that into your head. Got to learn the basics. Um, once you do that, um, if he has to feel comfortable with you in the ring, if he feels comfortable with you that you can handle yourself, they'll throw you inside the ring and then it's, all right, can you do these drills correctly? Not just... Uh, not just doing it, you know, to just to do it, but do it with a little sizzle. Make sure it's visually good as long as, as well as technically good. Um, and once you get comfortable in there and once he feels you're comfortable in there, he kicks it up a little bit more and a little bit more. So um, and then he loves um, like 
the way he sees the business and he'll he wants to make sure so when he talks to you he talks to you and um it's all about taking everything he's saying and just applying it but um compared to from other stories i hear from other places i lucked out and um it was very fun to be there and he makes it more fun to be there okay um house of glory that's over in the in queens right new york yes mm -hmm. okay are there a lot of big wrestling opportunities over in nyc uh, there's a, a lot of promotions, but, um, and opportunities, you really have to try to make it on your own. If any promotion gives you just a little bit of a hint, um, a little bit of a chance, you have to make it the best you can, because a lot of these companies, everyone knows a lot of people in the, the five boroughs. So, um, you know, you'll see one wrestler, if he does good here, he's going to get booked over there. So, any opportunities you get in New York, you have to make it the best you can to get people talking because that's the only way you're going to keep getting booked in all these different places because they pretty much use a lot of the same people left and right. Favorite male wrestler of all time? Of all time. Shawn Michaels. Favorite current male wrestler? Ooh. Um, probably Kenny Omega. Favorite female of all time? Ooh. Gotta go China. Yeah, there you go. Okay. How about current? Current. Uh Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch, yeah. Okay. Are you an MJF fan? Extremely. Okay. All right. Um, and then I've known him before he made it. And um to see really? the way he is now, awesome. Like he was always the character that you see, but now he's just turned all the way up. So he was the same MJF in the Indies that he is now, but a little bit higher, a little bit turned up. Yeah, yeah, like he's always been that jerk that you want to punch. But, um, you know, when you um, – because I've been in locker rooms with him um, and stuff like that, so I've seen him, um, the way he's progressed, and to see him now is like if you knew him, you're not shocked of where he is. Now is he like that not wrestling? Is he, Does he live that life all the time like that? I mean, we don't, we haven't hung out, but from what I've seen, um, you know, if he's cool with you, then you'll see another side of him. But if any opportunity of, or if he's in a surrounding that he's not 100% comfortable with, he's MJF. All right, cool. Mount Rushmore. Oh, uh, oof. Uh, Dusty. Sting. Mm -hmm. Sean. And, and Macho Man. Sting's my favorite. So he's my top wrestler. Died to meet him. I've got two Funko Pops autographed from him, but I send them in and get them autographed. So I'm well, I can't wait to meet him. <laughs> I met him. Oh, <laughs> There's you. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> so what can you tell us about your I would say your best friends? Are they part is it private party? Uh, yeah, Mark. Yeah, both of them are. Uh, Mark Quinn's my best friend. Uh, Isaiah's very close friend, but um, and we train at House of Glory together, so we, you know, we have a quite about a years uh, with each other. So, what is there some stories you can tell us about being their bouncer? Ah, it was different. Um, it was it started off as a favor because they wanted to try something new, a part of their entrance where um the bouncer would open the velvet rope and let them in and. They just said, hey, Cruz, you want to do it? I go, okay. And um, I jumped in the car with them and a few places. Uh, we did it. Um, 
it was a lot of trial and error at first because um I would open the velvet rope, but then part of the the rope broke. So we would try to um try to fix it somehow. It just it was always a disaster. Um then um I would carry around um a serving tray with shots in it. So everyone all you know, everyone thought it was alcohol, but it was really Gatorade. Um, but then the cup spilled one time and it destroyed a ring, so I got yelled at. So um yeah, and uh we went from shot glasses to the thick, the big, big shot glasses that don't tip over. So it was a lot of trial and error with them, um, but it was always fun to work with them. And to see them call a match, it's so different and so weird. Like, they can start calling a match. They'll walk away for 20 minutes, come back, and start calling it again. And I'm like, what are you doing? But, um, you know, it got me into a few places where um, I was able to have my own singles uh, matches with them. So uh, being with them was fun. Um, I already knew that if they ever, they ever got the call, it was about them. It wasn't about me. Um, I was just happy to add to their entrances and add to their matches. And it was a fun time with both of them. Do you still talk to those guys? Yeah, I talked to Mark uh, every other day. And Isaiah, on special occasions, will uh, we'll reach out. Or if we see something that we like on social media, we'll just send it to each other. Um, so we talked about AEW, your dark match. And um, I know you said that you think that AEW is the hottest brand today. Um, have you got any good advice or different names in the business from anybody over there? Do you keep on getting good advice or? Uh, for myself personally, um, yeah. uh, just to me as a personal thing, just to get in better shape, like it's impressive what I do with my size, but it's always getting better shape because, um, you know, the, being the big guys is cool and all, but after a certain amount of time, you know, slim down and. To look better and feel better. Um, so I always got that. Like, don't drop a tremendous amount of rate because um, I get compared to John Cronus um, from the Eliminators, how he was a big guy in ECW, but then when he lost all that weight, um, he wasn't the same wrestler. So I always feared of if I ever lost too much, would I fall into that category? So, um, but um, besides that, um, always stand out. Always find a way to stand out. Um you can never go wrong by standing out. And if someone could pick out one thing from a match to remember you, then you did your job. Awesome. Awesome. So any cool interactions with um, the guys that made the bigs, like the WWE guys and um, AEW guys, other than um, the Billy Gunn? And, but is there anybody, other cool ones like that? Um, let me see. Uh, I met um, Elijah Burke, who thought I was Samoan. And I kind of just ran with it because I'm a big guy. So he was like, you must be Samoan. So I'm like, yeah, I'm Samoan. Why not? And um, so we joked about, um, you know, how my character would be for a Samoan character. In my head, I'm like, all right, I'll just tweak it because I'm Puerto Rican. Um, so that was pretty fun. Um, I hung out with Sammy Guevara. We um, I shot uh, for his vlog um, two different times. And that was both interactions were fun. Um, and then I became Fat Batman. Um, because of his second vlog for a little bit. Oh, that was pretty funny. Um, other than that, um, spoke to Ricky Starks. Um, he liked me and he actually put me over for about five seconds on my dark match. And um, that was cool. It was, uh, yeah, those are the ones that stand out in my head. How about any Indies? Any, any people stand out in the Indies that you? Um, 
Off the top of my head, um, a guy named Darius Carter, we would speak every so often when he, we were in the same um, show, at, and we'll talk, we'll, you know, shoot the shit. Um, so he's always cool to talk to, and he always, and, you know, we're interested in what the other one's doing. Um, other than that, um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, uh, working with a guy named TJ Marconi makes you think differently, a guy who's six foot and change, and Who's a giant, but he makes sure everybody gets their own little, you know, take on uh, matches and stuff like that. And um, he was the first one to show me that, you know, if you're the ring general, you can control a match of multi-man people. And um, it was always cool to work with him also. Awesome. So can you, can you walk us through the biggest match of your life? Um, well, excluding the AW one, um, probably me winning um, the BCW title. Um, again, it was more of a badge of honor for a new company to put their um, their straps on my shoulders and me carrying the company has been almost two years now. So um, going into that match, I knew I had to put on the best match possible. I had to get everybody talking. Everyone had to know my name by the time that show ended. So it was a lot of tremendous pressure, but I think I actually accomplished the goal. Do you ever... Um... Say, man, I can't do this anymore. Or do you, is this no, I haven't hit that point yet. Um, you know, usually the next day I'm sore, banged up, and especially if I have to go to work the following day, it's like, ugh, I hate my life. Um, even with the injuries, um, I love it. I'm not going to – it'll be a while before I stop. Okay. One Division Pro, tell us about that. Um, a new company, uh, also in the New York City area, and um, I recently became their – Imperial World Champion. Um, This is a company that does things differently. They have a select set of rules where it's only singles matches. Um, uh, Usually it's about five, six matches to a card. Um, Also very much structured based to where we have a time limit. You have, this is what's going to happen. You got to hit it. Um, If you don't, the consequences. Um, And um, for them, it was different. I came in as a, battle royal tryout and they like what i saw in that battle royal and i just kept going and going and then i finally won the uh the title and um it was great it was something that i was chasing since i started there i got it um and now i have uh we have a show this saturday where i'm defending the imperial world title against um a former champion so this is going to be a dog fight on saturday you have any words for that guy Oh, he's seen my stuff, so he better duck because once I throw that Larry, it's it's over. It's over. Okay, it's all right. There you go. So in the Indies, I don't know if it's the same way as in the AWWW, but I doubt it. So in the Indies, I hear a lot of guys like yourself um, mention that they get there three or four hours before the event. They help set up the ring. They stay long, help take down the ring and all this stuff. How important is that? as a wrestler to do that, or is it something that people do that to get their foot in the door? Can you walk us through that? Yeah, it's a combination of both. Um, If you're not on the show, um, if you have the opportunity to get there early and help set up, you're showing the promoter that, you know, you're willing to put in the work to get an opportunity to wrestle for his company and whatnot. Um, So you definitely do it on that purpose. For a guy who's on the show that does it, um, it just shows the respect you have for the wrestling business that 
and you respect the company you're in, if you can help set up or help take down or, um, you know, you're not just showing up as a superstar to do your match and just go home. You know, you're part of the process to help um, put together or, you know, take down. You're showing not only the other wrestlers that, hey, he's on the show, but he's still helping out. It just shows how much respect you have for the wrestling business. You got, is there a lot of guys on the indies that said, screw you, going to go? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, there's some of them that just show up on time to do their match, and then they don't even stay late. They just go, which, you know, it's everyone's different prerogative. Uh, I'm not going to say everyone does the right thing, but, um, I mean, more or less, you know what company you want to do that for or what not to do. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, it's not required, you know, um, but you're just showing people the type of person you are. What? Well, I- I heard something about a week ago that I was like, man, I'm not going to get into that. I don't need you to expo- expose it. But um, you guys go through hell on earth with, in these indie matches. The, I mean, I have never been to an indie match until last year, February, when I went to a brand down here in um, the panhandle called XIW Extreme Impact Wrestling ran by Adrian Whisper. Okay. Um, and uh, they had a, a-, a-, a- AIWF champion jackson slade and stuff like that and the first time i went to an indie show they beat the piss out of each other and it was i mean it hurt it looked it had to hurt the way it the, it was bad and um what i'm going at is uh then i heard last week you guys don't make that much money and you guys still put your bodies through hell how where do you get that boost of energy to say you know what it might only be a hundred bucks but i'm gonna go do it or is it just because you love the sport? Um, yeah, another combination of both. Um, if you love it, um, you know, the money doesn't have a factor in it uh, to a degree. Um, you're always trying to find a platform to perform your craft. Um, you know, if the payoff doesn't, you know, equal the, you know, what you desire, but as long as you get something, there's been times where I was paid with uh, $10 and a, a scratch off. You know, and but it was just an opportunity to work there, and I lost that scratch off, so it's terrible. You lost. Um, it. You don't know if he won. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, it's, that it's guy's about, luggage. Yeah, exactly right. Um, <laughs> it's about the experience, man. Um, I do it for the experience. Um, if I can go to a company, a company to show what I can do, if I can get some eyes, if I can get at least a few people in there to, you know what. That was a good match. I'm going to follow him on social media. It'll be worth it. Um, to certain guys, money is a factor. If you don't pay, you know, a certain amount, they're, you know, they're not going to agree to go or they won't or, you know, they'll find somebody else. Um, you also have to have a plan. Me, I'm fortunate enough to have a full-time job. So, to me, money isn't a huge factor. Um, so, it's um, – I kind of look out on that. Not most guys don't have the opportunity. Um but yeah, um, some guys do it for the love of the business and go, you know what? Like I put myself through hell. I've done front flips to the outside on concrete and stuff like that just to make the fans, you know, go crazy and nuts and I'm hurting. But I think, you know, if someone leaves that place thinking about me, I did it. You know, it was worth it. Um, other guys just uh, go about it differently. But uh, for the most part, yeah, if a lot of guys just want a chance to do what they do and um you know, if it if it gets them a video later on, then that'd be awesome. But yeah, you really have to love it to get paid. You know, uh, low or high or whatever the case may be. 
So what can you tell us about your return to SWO like on like on May 5th? You were there on May 5th. What was that return? Yeah. Like? Oh, that was different. Um, you know, I wasn't there for quite a while and when um I got the call to go back, um I felt great because the SWO crowd is a very homegrown crowd. Everyone knows everybody, the same people go every month. And um I got quite a few messages from the fan base saying, "Hey, we miss you." When are you coming back? I go, hey, when they want me back, I'll be back. And when I finally got through the curtain, um, it was just a great feeling because everything felt right at the moment. Um, and we had a, a killer match that night. So, um, and it's under new management. So I'm just hoping that, um, you know, new management likes me until they'll bring me back again. But right. um, that was fun going back to SWO. Any huge goals for um, before you're done? Yes, uh, I want to wrestle in Japan and Mexico. Um, I think it's very important, um, especially to Japan. Uh, The Japanese fans treat wrestling like we treat football. That is the greatest thing on earth. Um, Very sacred, and they respect it so much. And I'm a fan of strong style. You know, I'll beat the hell out of you. So if I can get the opportunity to wrestle just once in Japan or, you know, the Corrigan Hall or anywhere else, then that's that'd be my bucket list. I could die a happy man. Um, and Mexico, just to, because I respect the Mexican wrestling, um, especially um, Conan and Rey Mysterio and all that stuff, I could be in the same ring that they walked through in the beginning. Um, I think that'd be a personal feather in my cap. So if I could hit those two places, I'd be fine. I had an interview with Mark Jindrick uh, last, oh. I think, Tuesday. Nice. And he wrestled in Mexico. And uh, he said that, and no disrespect to AEW, WWE, he said that Mexico was far better to wrestle for because of the passion that they have for the wrestling business over there. He said he loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, so any so place would be do, do Japan and Mexico, huh? That'd be great. Yep. Um, so the floor is yours, my guy. It has been a pleasure talking to you for the last 50 minutes. Um. If you have anything you could need to say to your upcoming um, promotions, anything you need to say to your the guys you're going against, or even tell the fans um, what you need to tell them, here you go. Go ahead. You know, um, I'm I'm the new age Bam Bam Bigelow Vader. Um, I'm here to do the shock and awe. Um, I'm here to show the world that a 300 plus guy can fly. I'm here to entertain. Um, it's you know i care about you fans i'll put myself through hell to do that so if you have the chance to see me or follow me on social media um big daddy cruz double zero or bd cruz double zero on twitter follow me and you will not be disappointed um i have a few things coming up um i tend to do more traveling for the rest of the year Uh, i'm trying to go to different states different areas just to spread the word of you know the love doctor the love bear and the smooth operator so um, I'm a double champion right now. I want to add more titles to my range, and you know, you just got a taste of what I can do. There's a whole lot more to come from me. You're now let's travel chief before we leave. I do, I do, you do, I do. Prediction tell me a prediction. You think Jimmy's gonna turn on Jay? Do you think Jay's gonna beat uh, Brand Ooh, Roman? No, um, think, oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm pulling for Jay. I want Jay to win in my heart, but I think deep down, the tribal chief is gonna shut him down and 
Jimmy's not going to be a factor at it. It's it's JR nothing, but honestly, I think Tribal Chief is going to pull it out of this one. So it's about uh-huh. whoever's after Jay. Who's going to beat? Who's going to dethrone him? Anybody in the family? Honestly, it it, it has to be the Rock. If anybody's going to dethrone him, I mean. I know everybody wants Cody to finish the story, but since Cody didn't do it at WrestleMania, the fact that if you're going to think about making us wait a year for that, I think it takes away from the sizzle. Um, at this point, The Rock has to show up. Um, when, where, I don't know. Hopefully WrestleMania. But if it'll be a major miss if The Rock doesn't show up to dethrone Roman Reigns. Not to discredit you, and this is your interview, but I, I agree with you, Cody Rhodes. That should have been done at WrestleMania. I believe WWE dropped the ball and got him involved in stupid other storylines like Brock Lesnar and Sami Zayn and KO, and that was dumb. And I just lost. And not I like Cody Rhodes is great, but mm-hmm. WWE dropped the ball on that. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I, yeah. So last question is, who's your favorite promoter? Favorite promoter right now, it has to be uh, BCW. Um, Eric Rosa is my favorite promoter. Um, he takes care of me. I take care of him. Um, I'm his champion. Um, and um, every promoter is great. Don't get me wrong, but he's the one that took special interest in me. One more. It's a TikTok question. You ever watch TikTok? I do watch TikTok. So you got this. This is all. This is the million dollar question. Who is the greatest WCW champion ever? Thing, David Arquette. Wow. <laughs> well, I, you know, <laughs> that's what I thought, right? Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, hold on, don't go anywhere. I'm going to play that um, exit song. Um, thank you for coming on, Mord BD. Um, I love the interview. I hope to um, see you in action on the web wherever guys on, that's watching that's going to watch. Check BD Cruz out. He's the big daddy. He got things going on. He's a smooth operator, as his song said. So, guys, hang tight. Thank you for everything, and um, we'll have a good night. Extra.